Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. Love you. Love you. Hold up. All right. This is this is fun for me. So we actually haven't. We don't ever announce um, whenever I'm not going to be uh, preaching on Sunday mornings. We don't put that out there. Um, and so, but y'all get to know that uh, Keenan Clark is going to be preaching on Sunday morning here. So, uh, so he'll uh, he'll be tearing it up. So we're kind of kind of trading, kind of switching. And it reminds me of these shoes. Uh, simply because uh, I, I, these, uh, these shoes were a gift from, uh, from Kenan. And so uh, I've never had any J's. I'm actually of the age that uh, 1985, uh, when the first J's rolled out, um, then uh, I was uh, too broke to get some back then. And uh, so and it's funny that it, it, all these years later, it's my son that did it. So uh, he feels like sometimes that he is uh, ministering in, in my shoes, which I'm ministering in your shoes. And so literally, and in this space, um, I know y'all come here on Thursdays and enjoy this. Um, but I just want to tell you um, how special you guys are, um, because this environment that y'all walk in with your expectation and create that y'all could be so many other places on a Thursday night and y'all have come together and have created this community that says, I want God more than I want anything else um, in my life. Um, And this is rare. This is holy. This is amazing. And I want you to understand what a special thing that's happening here. And yes, we're thankful. My son does a great job. Beth does a great job. The team does a great job. Um, but guess what? Uh, if y'all weren't here hungry for it, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. And so, but your, your hunger for it is what is absolutely vital. And so I just want to encourage that. Uh, well, tonight, um, by the little video that you saw, you may have figured out that maybe we're going to talk about uh, rolling through life with a, a few less bags in life because... Um, I tell you what, um, carrying the bags is no fun. You uh, take it from a guy who's uh, been uh, around the sun a few times. Um, I can tell you from experience that right now is the season of life to learn how to begin to let go of the junk that tries to cling to your life. Um, right now you're on a journey. You know you're on a journey. You're excited to be on a journey. You are, are thankful for the spot you're in. But right now when you look forward five, ten years from now, you know you're not going to be in the same spot. You're not going to have the same address. You're not going to be doing the same thing with your nine to five day. You're not going to be doing those things. Ten years ago for me, I was in the same address and I was preaching at Celebration Church. I'm in my flow. I'm still very much on a journey, but you've got a lot of decisions 
ahead of you. You've got a lot of steps to take, a lot of journey ahead of you. And so you need to make sure that you learn how to be able to navigate this stuff light because carrying the extra baggage, it just, it's not cool. It weighs everything down. We have to learn to live bagless. And that is what Jesus is very much about. We're going to go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 11. And so if you're a note taker, that's where we're going to be launching today. I'm going to be hitting a lot of scriptures. If you don't want to flip through your Bible a whole lot, our team is going to be able to have them on the screen. And so Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, um, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is something we have to learn. He says, learn from me. Learn from me. We're not naturally good at this. We tend to collect. We tend to hoard. We tend to, to get things together. In fact, uh, there's a three uh, gentlemen in this room who have had to undo some hoarding over the last little bit. We bought a house here that somebody just decided they were not going to live light. And they filled an entire 2,000 square foot house with all sorts of stuff and then locked the doors in 1985 and left it for all those years, moved to a whole other house, did it again, did it again, until finally they passed away and their kids were left to deal with all of the stuff they were trying to hang on to. I'm telling you, we've got to learn or else we will just continue to accumulate and we need to learn how to, to live bagless. And if you've done any kind of traveling, you ever got on an airplane, had that exciting moment where you get in a metal tube and get thrust into the sky, then you'll want to take stuff with you. We like to travel with Southwest, Southwest Airlines, because they don't charge you for bags. Because when we go places, we like to go with some stuff. And so, in fact, we, my wife and I, we need some stuff to sleep. We need a fan. And I don't mean one of these little fans you plug into your, your port on your phone and it blows this sad little wispy breeze in you. I'm talking about a box fan that goes... <laughs> when you're asleep, we need that noise. We got a whole bag that just for the fan. And it'll, it flies with us. So we need, a free, we need a free bag thing just to be able to take our fan with us. <sighs> because it's appropriate business. And so, but when, when Cutie, which is my wife, when Cutie was turning uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we decided that we wanted to go celebrate her birthday uh, and wanted to go on a cruise. We'd never been on a cruise before. So we decided we were going on our first cruise. We didn't really know much about cruising. We'd never done it before. We didn't know if we were going to like the ship or not, um, being like stuck on the same thing for days at a time. We didn't know if we would like that. We didn't know if it was going to make us sick, you know, and we were going to spend the day. So we made sure we found a cruise that we were able to get off the boat every day. It had a port every day. And we were going to go and we were going to 
sail out of Miami. We were not going out of Galveston. We'd heard things that, you know, man, you, gotta, you, have, you can't get off the boat for a while if you go out of Galveston. Galveston is close to nowhere on the water. Nowhere. You've got to travel a long time on the water. But Miami, Miami is really close to the Bahamas. And who don't want to go to the Bahamas? Man, Bahamas sounds awesome. So we're like, all right, we go to Miami. We're going to go to the Bahamas. We get to get off the boat every time. So we're doing this. We're clueless on how, it, how any of this works. Well, we look at that. If you know that if you're going to get on an airplane and the airplane is going to leave at 5 o'clock, well, then you obviously have to be there before 5 o'clock to be able to get on there. But you just got to have to be there a couple of hours and then you board and then the plane leaves at 5 o'clock. Well, our boat was supposed to sail at 5 o'clock. Well, we didn't know that you had to be on the boat by like 2 o'clock. And then they just shut it down. And the boat's just sitting there for a couple of hours. Nobody's allowed to get on. And they're, they're doing something. I don't know, but they're, they're getting it ready. But it's just sitting there for a couple of hours. So we're, we've got that. I'm on the computer getting the crews lined up. We're on the phone or, or vice versa getting the airline lined up because we've got to fly over there. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, I don't want to. I was being cheap. <laughs> Did not want to get there a day ahead and have to have a hotel room. I was being cheap. It cost me. Guys, don't be cheap with your wives. Don't do that. Learn that right now. They're worth it. Don't be cheap. And so, but I was being cheap. And so, uh, so I was like, we'll just fly out that morning, be able to get there. Boat doesn't sell till five, no problems. So we were doing it, and it was just two weeks. We had just hardly any time. It was just happening, and we were going. So I'm on the phone doing that. I'm like, okay, the, this, uh, my airplane is going to land at 2 p.m. We've got to, the boat's going to sail at 5 p.m., no problems. Three-hour gap. No problems. So we sit there and we're buying it with the buying the cruise, buying the airlines simultaneously, one on the phone, one on the computer. Everything's sealed. Money's gone. Sucked out of my account. It's gone. And then the cruise person says, now you realize that you need to check in no later than 2 p.m. No, I didn't know that. It doesn't sell till five. No, you have to be on the boat by 2 p.m. I'm like, Mom, I just bought airfare. My, it's going to land at 2 p.m. She's like, you're going to have to change that. I was like, I, just, I can't change it. I'm cheap. I bought this kind you can't change. It costs more to be able to change it. I can't change it. It's the cheap ones where you're just like, yeah, take my money and that's that. And so, that's why I didn't buy these shoes. And so, <laughs> and so we're sitting there, and this is like, look, I can put it in the, I can put it in the system, and you can get on as late as three. But if you are not here at the gate at three o'clock, you are not going on your cruise. And so I'm like, we'll do it. We'll make it. So then all of a sudden that changed because now we were pumped. We were going to the Bahamas. Man, we could, not, we could not mess this up. So now all of a sudden we're like, we are not going 
to, to go to this place in the airport called baggage claim. We're not going there. This destination is too important. This is my wife's birthday, and we are not going to mess that up. This is too important. Where we're going, what's on the line, what we've paid for this thing, the destination, the event, everything is on the line. We are traveling light. We are not going to go over to this place and claim some baggage. We don't need to go claim any baggage in the middle of this journey. So then all of a sudden, thankfully, we were going to the Bahamas. You don't need your parka. You don't need your North Face gear. You don't need your boots. Man, you get some flip-flops and some shorts and like 72 swimsuits, which are small. Man, you're good. You can pack it all in a carry-on. So, man, we put it all in a carry-on. We sit there, we got on that plane, had a car lined up. If I, I had to pay too much for that car. Had a nice car lined up waiting for us there. Zipped us over. We made it. Man, we were the last ones on the boat. By the time we put our stuff in, man, we do the muster. It's leaving. We're like, yeah, we're those people right there. Y'all were waiting on us. We hold a whole ship up. And so, but we could not, we could not risk having to go over and claim some extra baggage. When we understood what was on the line, when we understood what had been paid, when we understood what the journey was about, when we understood that the destination was worth, then we knew we could not have that extra baggage. Right now, if you don't get a hold of the magnitude of your life, you will take it, you will just lollygag through, you'll go ahead and you'll grab these things up, and you'll just try to wander through with all of this extra stuff. I'm here to tell you what Jesus said is that he wants to free you from that extra baggage. He wants to help you get rid of that extra baggage. What His yoke, hooking up with him, it's easy. His burden, the stuff he's going to have you do and he's going to have you carry some stuff. But his burden is light. And it's not going to be bound up in that extra stuff. And one of the number one things that's difficult for us to carry through, it's not just the, all of the stuff in life that we picked up that we wanted. The stuff that is hardest for us to lay down is the stuff that got dumped on us. Is the stuff that got laid at our feet. And the biggest one to let go of is this thing called pain. And it's this place of pain. If we don't learn to let God have our place of pain, we will end up carrying that through and it will cost us. It will cost us not arriving at where we're supposed to be. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, if you're reading through the Bible... Um, Genesis is at the beginning. If you're new to this, it's the very first book. In fact, it means the beginning. And as we go through Genesis, you hit chapter 11. In chapter 11, about verse 10, it starts this exciting passage of genealogy. Of this person had this person, and then this person had this person, and this person had this person. Um, and if we're all going to be honest, we skim through that because it's hard name, hard name, hard name, hard name. Um, they had a bunch of kids. I don't know those people. Who cares? Let's just be honest. 
Get to the stories. I want to know when somebody got their head chopped off. Take me to that spot. When somebody got in a fight and killed somebody big, I'll take me to that spot. And so, um, but here we are, we're in the genealogy, and the genealogy rolls through, and we're going to, uh, uh, we get to verse 26, and you can kind of get mind numb by going through all that, but I, I want to show you this because, first off, that God has stuff, and he puts it in the scriptures for a reason, so all the scriptures are relevant. Even some of the stuff that feels less relevant, it's relevant. And so as we're going through here, we get to verse 26, and it says, and it's been going through and li listing everybody, and this is where it kind of begins to slow down. It says, after Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now normally it's just talking about one guy. It's just one lineage, bam, bam, bam. Just this guy, this dad, this son, this dad, this son, this dad, this son. Then all of a sudden we get to Terah, and it's three sons. Okay, and then so it says, and he was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Abram, if you've been around church, you know who, he, who his name is changed into, but if you're new to church, you don't know, but you've probably heard of Abraham, same guy. He got a new name at age 99. And so, but uh, anyways, here he is, and his, the, his, he's born Abram. And he's got two brothers, Nahor and Haran. It says, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. When his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So here is Terah. He has three sons. And then we hear about Abram, and those of us who know the scriptures think, okay, well, we're about to talk about Abram. Abram's the oldest, Abram's the one, but why do we all of a sudden have these extra sons in here and this guy named Haran showed up? And, and we kind of go off on a seemingly a tangent, a little side story, a little side quest in this, little, in this thing. And here we go, and we get, we get Haran, and then we find out that Haran died while his daddy Terah was still alive. I'm here to tell you the reason that things like what, where everyone's dealing with that new Khalid and the pain and the tragedy, and if you've lost anybody in your life, no matter how old or young they were, it leaves a hole, it rips a chunk at your very soul. And the reason for that is because when God created humanity there in the very beginning, and he breathed life into humanity. We were created to live. This thing for death is not in our God-breathed DNA. We are not wired for it. We don't know what to do with it. It is hard for us to process. We were not built for this. Having to handle it is part of the consequence of humanity going our own way. And we're just not built for it. And, and as parents... Parents are not wired with the ability to handle the loss of a child. Yes, Haran was old enough to have fathered his own and started his own family. But it doesn't matter. When you're a dad, you're a dad. That all of a sudden it doesn't reach a place that all of a sudden it doesn't matter that they're your kid. They're still your kid. You love them. You care about them. You, you, you want them to do well. And here Tara, 
faces one of the hardest pains anybody could possibly face in their life, and that's the loss of a child. We understand the process. It's hard to, 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 to lose anybody in your life, but the loss of a child, we're just not built for that. It's a pain that gets down deep in your soul and it only takes, it only takes the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to be able to help people be able to find a way to have life. On the other side of that, we now move forward to verse 31. It says, And Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, which her name was changed to Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. If again, if you're raised in church, you're familiar with Canaan. If you're not, we're going to talk about the significance of it in just a minute. But it's Terah. Terah rallies the part of the family that will go with him. He's got another son that stays back in Ur of Chaldeans. But he gets, he gets his, his grandson Lot. He gets Abram and Abram's wife, which they do not have any children. And they said, we're going to go to Canaan. Leaves a son behind in Ur. A son who's passed, who's buried back there. And he decides he's going to move on to Canaan. It says, but when they came to Haran. They're on a journey. He's got a destination in his heart. We don't know why. We don't know why he chose Canaan. But he had a destination in his heart. He's got people going with him. He's got people looking to him. He's the patriarch of the family. He's moving forward. He knows where he was, And he gets to a city called Haran. That isn't named after his son, but has the same name as his son. And he's journeying along and he's journeying along. And all of a sudden he's confronted with his deepest pain. And he can't move on. He can't move on. It says, but when he came to Haran, they settled there. I'm here to tell you, the reason you're going to have to learn to give your deepest place of pain to God is because not doing that will cause you to settle. It'll cause you to settle. God's got a different destination for you. God's got something bigger. It may have already been in your heart. You already started on the journey. You already started toward the destination. You've got a group of people who are going on the journey with you. You've got people who are looking to you, and all of a sudden that pain, and it will show its head again. I guarantee it. It will come up again. I guarantee it. Take my 47 years of experience. It will show its head again. I guarantee it. And if you're not willing to deal with facing your place of pain, it will cause you to settle. It will cause you to settle. The journey is too important to settle. And it says, And Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. That's where he died. That's where he died. And so not being willing to give God our pain, it keeps us from our potential. Psalm 73 verse 21 says, When my heart 
was grieved and my spirit embittered. I was senseless and ignorant. When we're unwilling to let God into that place, it carries, carries us to a place of being senseless and ignorant. We're not able to make good choices. Our pain is, is in the way of it. All of a sudden, we see everything through the lens of that event, of that moment, of that disappointment, of that betrayal, of whatever it was. We see everything through the lens of it. And when it's time to take a step of faith, when it's time to trust again, when it's time to step out, all of a sudden, that lens comes up and just screams, nope, 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 nope. I'm staying right here. You've got to learn to be able to put it in the hands of a loving God. Let's go on to Genesis chapter 12. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. They're now at Haran. They're now at Haran. Dad has chosen to stay at Haran. Dad is still alive. And Abram is told, Go ahead and move on. Terah decided to stay and God spoke to Abram and said, it's time for you to go ahead and move on. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I will and all people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Here his dad is still going to be on the planet another 60 years, according to the scriptures. But Abram says, I am moving forward with God. Dad may stay in his place of pain, but I am going to move forward with God. See, Terah was the one that started the journey to Canaan. Terah was the one who began that, began that journey. And God is beginning to complete that journey through Abram. In fact, in Genesis 17, verse 8, it says, the, God is speaking to Abram again. And he says, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. His dad had it in his heart to carry him to where the promise was going to be. But his dad stopped at a place of pain. But God made sure that he was going to be able to move forward and carry it on. See, we understand. And if you've been in the church world a while, you, you've heard this idea that shows up in Matthew 22, 32. This is Jesus himself talking. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, now we don't know. We don't know. But we know that it was Terah who started out on this land, uh, this journey to Canaan, where it was going to be the promised land, and the, and the Hebrew people would eventually settle and live and be able to prosper. And we don't know, but guess what? We see that it was multi-generational, but this very easily could have been had Terah not stopped at his place of pain, it very easily could have been not three generations before. It very easily could have been that Jesus has said, I am the God of Terah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It was in Terah's heart to go to Canaan. It was in Terah's heart and he rallied the family and he was set out, but he stopped 
and his place of pain. God's ultimate plan was lived out. The people that he wanted to bless were blessed. The, the nation that he wanted to rise up through Terah's lineage was risen up. But Terah stopped short of what God had put for him. I'm telling you, God's plans will be fulfilled in this generation. God's plans will be fulfilled. The question is, are you going to do your part in it? That's the question. You've been invited in. You've been asked to be a part of it. There's something unique in an assignment that is on your life that nobody else can fulfill. There's a reason you're unique. There's a reason for that. Because you are wired and gifted and called. And there's reason that there's extra pain in the world is because we're not all living in the goodness of what God has given us. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's take out the natural disasters that, that are hard for us to wrap our minds around. Let's, let's take out the stuff, that, the, the physical stuff that we would love to just eradicate like, like cancer and all sorts of disease. Let's take that out. And yes, that causes pain and, it's, and that's, it's, that stuff's hard for us to deal with. But let's get honest about the bulk of the pain in our lives. It's each other. The baggage that you're going to have to let go of has more than likely nothing to do with some sort of random event. It has to do with a person. The baggage you're going to have to let go of has a face. It has a personality. And that person is loved by God. But it brought pain into your life. That person was not wired by God to bring you pain. They made decisions outside of God's will that brought you pain. But what God is wanting to do is help to liberate you from that. And let you be able to move forward. And be able to live the life that God has called you. You to live. See, if we don't get rid of this, what we will find is it's not just this place that it pollutes just us. It begins to seep over and it pollutes all of our relationships. Hebrews 12.15 says in the Phillips translation, A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many others. All of a sudden now it begins to create problems in other people's lives. It begins to spill out. It's now not just your baggage. Now you've sewn a handle on it and handed it to somebody else and said, carry this with me. All of a sudden you've now strapped it to somebody else when God says you're not even supposed to be carrying it yourself. It's something you should have let go of and left behind. We need to make sure that we let go of this, these things and let God begin to bring a healing into our lives. And that's exactly what he wants to do. We can begin to have healing when we go to the healer. Psalms 147 verse 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God isn't going to be mad at you that you're brokenhearted. God isn't going to be angry at you that you've been carrying some stuff maybe a little too long. He wants you to bring that to Him. And God is tender-hearted and cares. And He can handle your questions and handle your frustration and handle a lot of the different stuff if you'll just talk to Him about it. If you'll just talk to Him. Maybe you're irritated with Him that it happened at all. Talk to Him about it. He can handle it. He can handle it. You can't ever get through it and process it if you don't start the conversation. Start the conversation. Even if it reads a lot like some of the Psalms. 
We read through the Psalms and David starts out, Hey, where are you, God? Where are you? And by the end of the Psalm, he gets to a place of, God, I know you never leave or forsake. God, I know you're with me. God, I know you're faithful. But it starts out, a lot of times, accusing. It starts out angry. It starts out hurt. But it starts the conversation. You're never going to be able to get there if you don't start the conversation with God. And maybe it's awkward. And maybe it's not even a conversation that the normal religious person would call holy. But if it's real and it's honest and you're ready to hear what God has to say on the subject, I'm telling you, God will bring healing to you every time. I'm telling you, he will. You've got to be ready to be able to put that in there. And with that, the only way we can do that is if we're willing to reveal the hurt. Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. When we keep silent, we keep stuffed in. When we keep it all shoved in, I'm telling you, that's not how we're wired to live. Take this stuff. Talk to God. Let Him know. Use the body of Christ. Somebody you trust. Somebody who's going to be able to hold your, 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 your privacy, your value. Protect that like they would protect their own. And be able to pray with you and talk to you. No, you can't open up to everybody. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't open up to everybody who's a believer. We're not all mature enough yet. To be able to step into this kind of role. No down on you if, you run, if you're somebody who runs your mouth. I'm sorry. God's going to mature that out of you. Say it again. <laughs> He'll mature it out of you. But maybe you're not ready for somebody else's secrets. And so, but if as you begin to mature, find somebody who's mature enough for your secrets. And begin to talk about these things. Pray about these things. If we keep things quiet. It makes us waste away. Psalm 39 verse 2 says, But when I was silent and still not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. It increased. You know, you get something to ferment. If you need something to, to ferment and get extra nasty, you got to seal it up airtight. you got to seal it. And then it can just stew in its own juices and it gets all nasty. Says that's what happens with our anguish. It just increases. And as we move forward, I'm just going to give you a heads up, okay? This isn't a mandate. I'm just going to tell you what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And I want, before we get into this, you're going to immediately think this other person doesn't deserve it. And they don't. Forgiveness that deserved is not forgiveness. Does anybody deserve forgiveness? No. You've never deserved to be forgiven ever in your life. I hope you've been forgiven a lot. That every time you've messed up, I hope you've lived in a high forgiveness environment your whole life. But guess what? None of us deserve it. So before I get into this, you're immediately going to think that this place of baggage, this person, this thing, they don't deserve it. Nope, they don't. And neither do you on any of your places. That's, the, that's why it's grace. That's why only the love of God can really make it work. It's too big. It's too important. It's beyond us. Okay? But where God is going to carry you forward to, just to give you a heads up so you're not blindsided about it, is to release these other people who are involved. He's going to release. 
When <clears throat> Matthew 18:21 says, when Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Please, there's got to be a limit. There's got to be a limit. Maybe seven. The going rate was three. What most of the teachers were teaching was you need to forgive three. Peter's like, oh man, Jesus, you're like a whole nother level. Maybe seven. And Jesus' answer was this. He says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And this was in a day. This is just rolling through a day. I don't know any of us have had to forgive the same person 77 times. It may be an obnoxious roommate. But 77 times in a day, man, I'm telling you. And here's where it's going to carry you back into because it's all about the journey. It is to refocus on God's plan for your life. Nobody was more overtly mistreated in the scriptures past, I mean, Jesus was the most. And then there's a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. And Joseph in here, and he's dealing with his brothers. His brothers were the one that started this mess and they mistreated him terribly. But he refocused on God's plan. Genesis 50 verse 19 says, Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. He's just honest. You did. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And guess what? It was them who were being taken care of. It was them being taken care of. Man, God brings things full circle. His love and his grace is absolutely amazing. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Folks, here is, is what God wants you to do. He wants you to live free and travel light. Live free and travel light. Man, I'm telling you, you can move, you can go, you can do what, what needs to be done when you can live free and travel light. But the only way to do that is to avoid that baggage claim area. Don't go pick it up. Don't go pick it up, just live free, just travel light. That's good. And that is what we wanna talk about right here, right now. The way this begins, the way we begin to step into this, is you've gotta understand that this is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Like, Brandon, I don't know that I can do this. By yourself, you can't. By yourself, you can't. But that's why he says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. This rest isn't something you fabricate on your own. This is something you receive from him. The forgiveness isn't something you fabricate on your own for, this, for whatever is the hurt. It's something that flows out of you and from, from him and out of you to others. This is all about his work in our lives and through our lives. We have to first receive this gift of life, this gift of love, this gift of forgiveness that he so wants to minister to your life. So I want to just create a quiet moment here and just put our heads down. We're going to talk about two things. First, we're going to step over 
We're going to step over from death to life. And if you're here and you're ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you're ready to place your faith in, in Jesus for your salvation, then it's not about what you have done or plan to do to somehow make God happy and erase the mistakes you've made. But this is something that you are ready to receive the love that God has already given to you. If you're ready to say yes to that love, to say yes to that grace, to say yes to that forgiveness, this forgiveness that God has given you in Christ, I want you to just raise your hand and say yes to that. Awesome. 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 Praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. 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 I'm going to loan you some words right now. Believers, I want you to just pray with these. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I see now that that's all it's about. You loving me. And now me loving you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life. That your life gives me life. Your death covered my death. Heaven is my home because of what Jesus has done. I am your child. You're my father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.